My name is Chad, and it's an honor. My wife is back in the kids' ministry, where you'll find her most weeks. She's wonderful. Um, my wife, Haley, is one of the godliest, most amazing, no, not one of. She is the most amazing woman that I know. She is my best friend, my lover of over 15 years. We have four beautiful kids, and we had a date night last night, so there you go. So, shout out to Mimi, Dory, and Papa Joe. <laughs> huge, huge shout out to Mimi and Papa. So, you're like, get into it. All right, we are, we are in it. We are in the water. We are swimming. Um, I just have a lot on my heart this morning. I just want to share what needs to be shared. So... I want to alert us that we, so first of all, you are under the ownership, you are a slave to the one that you obey. The Bible calls in Romans chapter 8, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 6, verses 8 through 13 says, if you're, if you're, if you're living a life that's oriented and characterized by sin, which is you're at the center, you do what you want, feel, you know, care the consequences, then the Bible says that pattern of lifestyle means sin is your master. You are a slave to it. The Bible says also that there's, there's another option. Someone say there's another option. You can be under the lordship of Jesus, and now you're under his ownership, which the result of that lifestyle is not being a slave to sin, which leads to death, Romans 6.23, but now you're, you're in his righteousness, which leads to holiness, which leads to life eternal. And so when we talk about, in, in our day, if you want to come under the lordship of Jesus and walk as a disciple, which just is a fancy Bible, it's almost used 300 times in the New Testament, it just means a student a lifelong student of King Jesus and his way and his word. When you respond to his reach, when you respond to his grace to invite you out of your sin into his righteousness, into his life, you are now engaging in a battle. How many believe we are in a battle? Because not everyone responds to his reach. Now, 2 Peter 3.9 says, God is not slow in keeping his promises. He wants every person on the planet to come to repentance, which means to change their mind and to change their direction instead of running from God to run toward God because there's no one like him. God, the Bible says he wants the whole world, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 6, he wants every person on the planet to be saved through the mediation of his son, Jesus Christ. For God's, it's in every end zone of every major sport. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, it was already condemned, but to save the world through him. Are you tracking with me? This is basic one-on-one stuff. But when you respond to that desire of God to save you, to heal you, to rescue you from your slavery to sin and make you a son or a daughter, receiving the gift of his righteousness, made pure and holy, apart from no work of your own, you simply responded to the perfect reach of God. 
and the perfection of his son Jesus. But when you respond to that, you came out of one kingdom. We've talked about it already, Colossians 1, 13 through 14. You were rescued, Galatians 1, 3 through 4, and you were brought into a new kingdom, now not the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the Son of God, the Son that he loves. Which means there's still another kingdom that now has no authority over your life. Someone say amen. Amen. Come on. The Father, John 10, 27 through 30, has really strong fingers. No one can take you out of the Father's grip. Oh, someone. Shoo, I need that verse. I love that verse. Uh, Jesus is like, the Father is greater than me. I am the shepherd who's laying down his life for the sheep. But that's a command I got from him because it will mean life for you and for the world. But when you come in through me, the door, the gate, I'm the door, the gate, Jesus speaking. I'm the way, truth, and the life. When you respond to me and enter through life, through repentance and faith, believing I am the sole, supreme, and sufficient Savior, when you do that, you come under my leadership. And now you have a father who has really strong hands and no one can rip you out of his hands. When we do that, when we respond to the gospel, the good news of what God has done through his son, we sign up, whether we want to or not, to be in a battle. Now many of us want to pretend it's not there. Now, I'm not a believer that's like, hey, be more consumed with the battle and you're always fighting demons and principalities. And I, I, I think that's a, that's a part of our walk with Jesus. I am a way bigger fan of just get consumed with the pure and the perfect love of God. But in that pursuit, you will inevitably encounter an enemy who does not want to go down without a fight. Why? The picture of Revelation is because the enemy knows his time is short. And how many are feeling when you read the news or pay attention to what's happening in our nation or the nations of the earth, it seems like he's ratcheting up his desire, his strategy to still kill and destroy. The the amount of dreams, I don't want to go into them, there's not any little kids in here. The amount of dreams I've been having, the Bible talks about dreams, visions, how God speaks to us. I'm a man of the word. All I do is live in this and quote it, and I love it. So he speaks to me through this primarily But the amount of dreams that I've been having these last few weeks are unbelievable. Um, Like that that alert us to that there's a battle. And I don't want to go into them in in big detail, but the amount of dreams where I'm waking up at two in the morning like, oh my gosh, we're in a battle. It's a dream, like sort of showing something in, in in the spiritual realm of the conflict, if you want to engage with Jesus and agree with his kingdom being established on the earth, that means another kingdom needs to be displaced. Amen. We're in a battle. We're in a war. Now, the the war, capital W, has been won. Amen. Colossians 2. Let me just read it really quick, and then I'm going to make some points here. So Colossians 2. This is actually the next part of Colossians, so you're welcome for those who are like, when are we going to finish this series? Someday. I ain't in a hurry, man. Get over it. I'm not mad or bitter. I had a date last night. I'm doing amazing. But it is 1022, so let's go. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus, verse 6, as Lord, that's a key, 
He's a Lord of a kingdom. Amen? Savior, everyone wants a Savior because I want to get rescued from my sins. Not everyone takes him serious as Lord, but how many of you know you get the whole package when you get him? He is Savior of sin, and he's Lord over his kingdom and over his people. But he's the best leader in history, so receive both because he's amazing. Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing, say overflowing, with thankfulness. So you receive Christ Jesus, the Savior, the anointed ruler and Lord, and after you receive him, you're not done. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not done. Just because you received him, it doesn't mean you're done. What does he tell us to do? Continue. Everyone say continue. Now, can, now you're just getting started. That Colossians 2.3, if you just look up four or five verses, he's the treasure chest of heaven. You'll never stop exploring the hidden treasures that Jesus is. His wisdom, his knowledge, his character, his beauty, his wonder, his attributes, his deeds, his promises, his purposes. So once you get in Christ by responding to his love, come out of your sin into my kingdom. Trust that I am the sole, supreme, sufficient Savior. Now continue your lives in him. You're just getting started. And he says, how do you do that? Rooted. Trees, rooted. Streams, living water. We quoted that a few weeks ago. Psalm 1, Psalm 23, Isaiah 61. This picture that John 15, that he is the true vine. We're being rooted and built up and strengthened. And built up in him. Strengthened in the faith. This is when I pray every time we gather that the church is strengthened in the faith. How many know the fight is the fight of faith? 1 Timothy 4. We're in a fight of faith, to stay in faith, to stay believing. He is who he says he is. I am who he says I am, and nothing can stop us if we stay in faith. Those three things. How many know that's where the contest is? But the fight of faith is winnable. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. 1 John 5, 4. The way we overcome is by staying in faith, and that's why that's where the fight is. Is it true that he is who he says he is? Is it true that I am who he says I am? And is it true that if I stay in faith, nothing is impossible for him? How many live in that faith? How many have been in that fight this week to say, he is who he says he is, I am who he says I am, and he will do what he's promised to do if I stay in this place called faith, active trust, in his word. And I love this. As you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Since this last seven or eight weeks, by the way, testimony, just because you care, because I'm your friend, your brother, and pastor, I've had amazing two weeks to God's glory in, in the realm. For those of you who don't know the story, got whacked about six, seven, or eight weeks ago with some wild panic attacks, demonic in nature, physical, hospital, weird. But for two weeks, I've been, it's been unbelievable. So in every, in every, so when Paul says to be overflowing with thankfulness, I feel like every room I'm in, whether there's one person or however many are in here, I am like, I am overflowing with thankfulness. <laughs> A, because I can breathe and B, I can function in the grace that's, that, that of God. It's amazing. I'm so happy. You don't even understand. I'm happy before it's even over. I'm overflowing. 
So when we receive him and we continue in him, we're rooted and we're built up. How many know that requires cooperation on your part? We've got to respond to the grace of God, not just once when we enter through the gates of salvation and drink our initial drink from the well, Isaiah 12, of salvation, but he now wants that grace to get to work in our life where what we receive, now we're being rooted in and established. How many know there is grace always available to us if we'll respond to it and let it get to work in us so that we can get grown up as a fit body for the king? How many have known what it is to ignore the grace of God? How many have known what it is like to stay... Uh, uh, some quote, I didn't say it, so get mad at whoever said it, but it wasn't me. A one-year-old Christian who simply obeys the word, whoever quoted this, I'm so, totally butchering it, then a 20-year Christian who has, not, who has not lived in the word. Then, then, a, then a 20-year question. So in other words, it's not about how long you prayed the prayer. If you're not actively responding to God's grace, you're going to be stunted in your growth, but you don't have to be stunted in your growth. How many know it's time to grow up? Christ is returning. He's coming. It's time. It's time to grow up. It's time to respond. Be rooted and strengthened and overflowing in the, in the grace of God. Now here it is. Here's, this is unbelievable. He just wrote to those who've received, are rooted, built up, they're being strengthened, they're overflowing with thankfulness, but look what Paul has to warn them of. This is gnarly. Verse eight, see to it that no one takes you captive. Through hollow, say hollow, hollow, it's like echoey, hollow, and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elementary spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Isn't that odd? In other words, just because you've received, and it's true, you've been rescued from one kingdom to another, there is an enemy who is still actively seeking to woo and to win your heart, your mind, your thoughts, your allegiance back. See to it, no one takes you captive. Listen, for, for those of you who don't pay attention to Christian culture or whatever, that's okay. You probably have like nine to fives and work really hard and have jobs and families. But there has been this trend, this little tiny trend in the Christian in America and in the West called deconstruction. Many people leaving the faith. Amen? Many have been taken captive who may be started in the faith, but, but, but a, a human philosophy, a tradition of man Something has snuck in there, and like 1 Corinthians 5 talks about, like leaven that ruins the whole batch. And what once was, they received and they were growing, they loved Jesus, their minds got taken captive by the enemy who wasn't done with them yet. We're in a battle. We're in a war. And it's not like you wake up one day and the devil's like, hey, renounce your faith and just come back and live a life of sin. You wish his strategy was that point blank because you'd probably just see it for what it is, but it starts with a little thought. Christ really didn't mean that. He's not really serious about that sin. He's not really serious like obedience matters. That's like works righteousness, man. Like it's all grace. You don't have to ever obey or do anything. Come on. It's one little leavening thought, one little thing before you know it. Look at the language by your thinking and by these thoughts that the enemy throws at us and being unaware that we even have an enemy, 
Before we know it, we are hijacked, and now it's this synchristic, like we kind of believe some of the parts of the Bible, but then it's like mainstream culture, and we're just this hodgepodge, and our minds have been captive. How many know any or all of us can be susceptible to this, but there is victory over it and through it? Because Paul says, see to it. Turn your neighbor and say, see to it. That no one takes you captive. See to it. This is why in, in Colossians 4, 4 through 6, he says, 4, 2 through 6, he says, be watchful. Everyone say, be watchful. Pay attention to the influences, the voices, the streams of, 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 of culture and the news and social media. Oh, my goodness. How many just want to turn it off sometimes? How many know you can actually turn it off sometimes? Come on, someone say amen. Some of you are like, no, I can't. It's always on. I can't. I have to always be paying attention to what everyone's, everyone's saying in the culture. And we're just, we walk around discouraged, grumpy, and ticked off. If I just talked about you, I wasn't trying to be offensive. It's just true. If you'll just take in all the philosophies of our culture and see to it. Above all else, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart. Did you know that, yes, he is our refuge, but we've got to partner with him in guarding the thing that matters the most, our hearts, which are connected to our minds, our will, our affections. How many know he wants us to partner in that guarding endeavor? That's why I love it. He says, see to it. Don't, don't, don't be taken captive. It'll come in the form of thoughts, ideas, agendas, philosophies. And before you know it, all of those things that have vied for space in your heart and in your head and then in your actions are pushing out the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus. And we're just a big puddle mess. And how the gospel works is when you try to add to the perfect work of Jesus, you're not adding, you're actually draining it of its power in your life. This is why Paul says, like, he's so gnarly. The apostle Paul, gosh. Galatians 1, 6 through 10, if anyone preaches another gospel than the one you heard, they are under the curse of God. If we or an angel or some super apostle claims to add something or, hey, you missed this in the presentation of the word and the gospel, you need this, this, and this, and this, he says, let them be under God's curse. And he includes himself in it. If I water it down, man, that's intense. Why? Because if we stop believing just the pure word of God, the good news of what Jesus has done, we're not adding to it, we're draining it of its power. And we're seeing that. How many know we're seeing that at an alarming rate? And so it's time to be rooted and established in his love. For in Christ, the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you've been brought to fullness. Someone say fullness. Fullness. Because he says it multiple times. Fullness, fullness, fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Let me say that again. He is the head, Jesus the King over every power and authority. Back to the dreams. I'm just alerting you. Uh, so it says, that I'll just quote it, Ephesians 6, 10, it says, therefore be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and powers in the heavenly realms, amen? Against the spiritual forces of darkness in, in the heavenly realms. Therefore, everyone say therefore, so Paul's like, you're in a battle if you're in Christ. You're no longer in the kingdom of darkness. You're in the kingdom of light. But there is a waging war between the two. 
And here's what you need to do. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day becomes you're going to stand your ground. After you've done everything to stand, someone say, stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So the enemy's first line of defense, if you're not seeing to it that you're not being taken captive, is he wants to diminish the truth claims of the scriptures. Someone say amen. That's sin. He's, the Bible's not talking about that or that habit or that thing. The philosophies of man, just be compassionate. Be what you, be you, be what you want. And it's killing a generation. So the first thing that the enemy wants to do if you're not equipped in the armor of God is he wants to, just like in the garden, Genesis 3, did God really say Wah, wah, wah. The first line of the enemy's defense is to, to cause doubt to arise in your heart of the, the reality of his word. So the first thing we do as believers is even the parts that are hard, they are true. And they're the belt that hold the whole thing together. The belt of truth. Only when you know the truth, right? John 8, 31 and 2, and continue in the truth, verse 36, will you be free and whom the sun sets free is free in Indeed, contrary to culture's spewing venomous message, be what you want. Don't let any, just, just throw off all the restraints of God. Ignore the first three pages of the Bible. Blah, 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 blah. They're promising f- freedom. But in 2 Peter 3, it says the very ones who are promising freedom are, are, are bound in chains that they cannot unshackle themselves from. Read to P- all of 2 Peter's gnarly for those who are like, just be free, free, free. And they're not free. They're bound. They're in chains with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. The enemy's second, if he won't get us to disbelieve the truth, you know what he wants to do? You're not right with God. He'll accuse us of our past. Come on, how many know your past has been dealt with on the cross of Jesus Christ? Come on. Your present standing in Christ is unshakable. You are made righteous through Christ's perfect sacrifice on your behalf. And your future is secure. Even though we're in a battle, the jury is not out in the heavenly realms. Who's going to win this thing? God or the enemy? Christ is king currently reigning and ruling at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The only battle that's coming is cleanup operation battle, even though it's real. It's legitimate. But it's not who's going to do this. Who's going to come out on top? That's not the battle that we're in. Come on. He's Lord. Amen. So the second thing, don't, don't believe the truth. That's our belt. Then he wants, to, he wants to bring up your past. You're not really free. You're not really clean. You're not really accepted. Anyone ever had to tell the devil, hey, you are a defeated foe. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Come on, I'm, I'm dead serious. You need that breastplate of righteousness because he'll shoot those arrows and remind you of things you did that you said. He'll remind you and you have to remember, no, 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 I am covered in righteousness that is not my own. It's becoming a part of me and it's a mind by faith in the perfect work of Jesus Christ on my behalf. So if he won't just get you to flat out deny the truth, now he'll get you to deny your standing in Christ. And you just tell him, no, you are under the heel of Jesus and I'm in Jesus, you're under my heel. Luke 10, 19, I have authority over scorpions. Satan himself, I have authority in the Son of God. Boom, someone say boom. The belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. The second thing that the enemy, third thing, um, this is all fresh right now, by the way. I'm loving it. This is fun. The third thing, if he won't get you to deny the truth or you're standing in Christ, he'll tell you you're not useful in his kingdom. Oh, that's the feet. 
That's someone else. I'm not a messenger. Who's ever been told you're not fit to be used by God in the kingdom of God? Every hand should probably be raised. You've, you've believed that at some point. So let's say, okay, deny the truth. You're standing in God. Then, and then the enemy said, but yeah, okay, so that's true about you. You're righteous or whatever, but God would never use you. And, and Paul's like, get your shoes on. If you're in the kingdom and you're in my hand, you are my instrument that I can wield to accomplish my kingdom purposes. Oh, that's good stuff right there. Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. Everyone say shield of faith. With which you can extinguish a few of the arrows of the enemy. With which you can extinguish all the fiery darts of the enemy. Not one of them has to come through. Come on, someone say amen. If you are in faith, you are in the posture of victory. Oh, the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the, the evil one. Come on, someone say, there is a shield that I can wield when the enemy comes to try to take me captive or take me out. And the helmet of salvation. I love the helmet. How many know that you and I, by the spirit of Christ, have access to the mind of Christ? We know the thoughts of God. What? I actually have, even though his thoughts, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, they're higher than mine, they're greater than mine, he stoops by his spirit to reveal what he thinks, sees, and wants. He reveals that to me as I stay in his son. Isn't that awesome? The God who, like, Oh, just read all of Isaiah 40. Don't have time. It's way past time. And then at last one, I love this one. This is a good one. And the sword of the Spirit. We're not just defensive with a belt and a breastplate and feet and a shield and a helmet. He's given us the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Come on, somebody. This is what threatens the enemy, by the way. When the church says, no, 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 we want to take ground, not just maintain what we've already gained in the grace of God. When we take serious the sword, where God actually wants to claim cities, regions, and nations as a dwelling place for him. This is what I wanted to get to 25 minutes ago. When we take serious the sword that's in our hand, this causes the enemy to tremble. He's fine. I mean, he's not fine. He'll still wage war against us and try to discourage us. But okay, you can have your belt. Just stay in your truth. That's great. Stay private, personal. Don't bring it into public life. Okay, okay, you're righteous. That's cool. I mean, he's still not cool with that, but the shoes, okay, you've got peace. You're a messenger. That's great, but you know, you don't really open your mouth all that much. A shield, I'm a little bummed my arrows aren't hitting you, but it's okay. Helmet, oh man, it's harder and harder. This is the enemy speaking. It's harder to plant lies into their mind because they're filling up their minds with truth and they, they realize they have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2, 16. Oh. But when we start wielding the promises, we become those, those priests on the wall of God and start declaring the promises over our marriages. Come on. When we start declaring the promises and purposes of God, that they wouldn't be a theory for the future, but a present reality in the grace of God. When we start standing in that place, God, you actually want to do something in our region, in my family, in my life, and I'm calling you to do it. I'm wielding the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. That's when the enemy trembles. Oh, gosh. Because, did you, listen, there is a real enemy 
in our region who wants to keep a generation and the generations captive to his lie. Church, it's time for us to arise, rooted and built up and established, realizing Christ is actually the head over every power and authority. And he is the fullness and we've been brought to fullness so that we can participate in seeing his kingdom transform the kingdoms of this world. He does this through the obedience of his people, through the prayers of his people, through the love of his people, through his people agreeing with his promises and his purposes. And so last night, like I said, I had this gnarly dream where I was being interviewed. It was, it was so intense. I asked my wife. I mean, I, I shouted at 2 a.m. And I was, being, I was being berated by these four men. Like, do you read your Bible? I'm like, yeah, I read my Bible. Do you do, you do this? Do you do this? Do you do this? Yeah, I'm a man of God. I love God. Like, I, trust me, I have done a lot of soul searching these last eight weeks. Is there a door open? No, I don't have a side hustle of sin. I'm not really into, like, compromise right now. I'm all in. Lord, I'm all in. And this, this one guy of four is interviewing me, and it was, so, it was so profound. And again, I've had multiple dreams. We can talk about them later. That's not the point of this message. The point of this message is Christ is the head, the king, the fullness. We're in him. We have armor. There's a war, and there's victory in the battle. That's the point of this message. Amen. So anyway, the guy's interviewing me. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I'm, I'm in Christ. And he takes me to this, this white building. And he goes, there's, there, and, and he turns around and looks at me. And he's like, this is under the ownership of the enemy. It was this place. I, I don't know. It was a white house, white building. I, I kind of, I don't want to tell you what I think. I think it's multiple things. But it was something in my sleep, from a dead sleep. You ask my wife. I remember it woke me up. I said, get out in Jesus' name. I shout. I mean, it woke my wife up at 2 in the morning. I'm like. I, all I remember, I woke up with two words, get out. And I'm telling you, I don't tell you that because I'm super spiritual, but I got friends around the country who have been getting woken up. You don't, have, you don't have to engage in this. and We can just be good people, but I'm telling you, it's time to engage. Step into the place of contending his promises and purposes. It's time. There is a waging war for the hearts of an entire generation, and you and I can see Christ win an inheritance for himself through our humble participation in his kingdom. And one of the primary ways we do that is through prayer and through worship and declaring his promises. I'm like, this morning, you know, when we were drinking coffee, I'm like, babe, why didn't we sleep good? She goes, I don't know. You shouted like two words. I don't really remember them. I'm like, so I remember them. Ah, get out. That's not your place. And I'm telling you, it's time. Listen, it's not time to go be arrogant and start enemy. You don't talk. If you're talking more to the enemy than to God, we've got a problem in our prayer life. Come on, someone say amen. I don't talk to him. Barely. It's like 10 to 1. Jesus, you're good. I agree with you. You've said this. This is who I am. This is who you are. This is what you've promised. Oh, there's a real opposition. In the name of Jesus, you have no authority over my family anymore. I'm back on Jesus. Jesus, I thank you. You have a vision for family. You have a vision for marriage. You have a vision for my kids. Lord, my kids, are, they're entangled with this sin. In the name of Jesus, sever that lie. You have no authority over my kids. I'm back to Jesus. It's a 10 to 1 ratio. Are you tracking with me? And I'm just telling you, as your pastor, not, I just, there, there's a unique season that we're in. You've got to pay attention. I know I'm going way over time, and I, I don't apologize, okay? We have to be aware, not fearful. One of the nights I had another dream. I won't tell you it, but literally I'm quoting chapters of the Bible, not bragging. This is what I was doing because I couldn't fall back asleep. And I started quoting James chapter 2, and it says this. It says, 
Faith without deeds is dead. If one of you has a brother or sister without clothes, they go well, keep warm. Faith without deeds is dead. But then it says this, even the demons believe that there is one God and they shudder. They tremble. As I was quoting that about a week, week and a half ago, I was like, they tremble. The foe, the defeated foe trembles when we believe the word of God and stand in Christ and the promises of God. He doesn't get to just stand there and say, oh, look, the church is serious that Christ actually does have a claim on their life. They are actually in a battle. They're actually in my kingdom. They're actually in my family. They actually want to like, participate in my purposes. When we take our private faith and say our private faith cannot stay private, yes, it's personal, but it's time to live as the people of God in this hour. And when we do that, when there's a pressing, there will be pushback, but there's victory in the pushback. Do you hear me? We have equipment, we have armor, we're in Christ, we're rooted, we're in fullness. Christ is the head over every power and authority. If you agree, say amen. So be encouraged, be, be alert, pay attention. Turn to your neighbor and say, pay attention. Now, listen to me. Listen, I know all of us, we are on a spectrum of sanctification. We're on a spectrum of God dealing with things in our heart. But if you have overt, open doors to the enemy right now, listen, listen as your pastor, it's time to shut those doors. Listen to me. If you have open things, a, a pornography habit, you have something that you know blatantly is opposed to God's word. Gossip, slander, cheating on your, t- whatever, I don't care, but there's an overt open door to rebellion in, our, in your life. Rebellion in God's eyes is the same as witchcraft. Read, read 1 Timothy 12, 1, Sa- 1 Samuel 12 through 16. It's time, I just say this in, in, in urgency, if there's an open door in your heart, oh, I, I, just say, Jesus, help me shut it. I don't want any side hustle sins. I don't want any side hustle where I'm just negotiating. I told you all a sermon last Sunday. God's not one to be negotiated with. (laughs) Just do what he says. It'll lead to fuller life. Yes, opposition. Yes, difficulty, but fullness. How many right now would say, Chatty, I agree. I want every door shut in my life that is open to the enemy. Any habit, any shadow, any darkness. We just raise our hands before you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I know we went long. but we are in an actual battle and I know we can be ignorant of it. We, We can think, oh, this is just for pastors or weird worship people like Chad or whatever. But no, 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 no. If you're in the kingdom of God, you are needed in the kingdom. You are needed in this family. You are needed for this region. You are needed for your family. And God, I thank you that we're not fighting for victory, but from victory. We're not hoping that you come through. You have come through. You were dead, buried, and the Father raised you in the power of the Spirit. And then he seated you at his right hand. Father, we are with you in those heavenly places, Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. We are seated in victory. But Father, for my my family right now in this room, I pray you would alert us to the battle and you'd realize you've given us everything we need to stand in the power and the promise of Christ. So right now, in 20 seconds, if there is a door open in your heart, just say, Holy Spirit, help me shut that door. He'll show it to you, I promise. He wants every door to the enemy shut in our lives as a spiritual family. He wants us to go through his open door, through his love, through his word. Father, if there's any agreement in our heart with the enemy, would you cause us to come out of agreement 
with sin out of agreement with the principality or, or, or a philosophy that does not find its origin in the word of God. Father, as Psalm 139 says, search us and know us all the way down and all the way through. And I know, Lord, I just pray with an urgency in my spirit that you would bring us into your truth, Lord Jesus, as a spiritual family. And that that truth would set us free. Come on, how many want to be a part of a church walking in the fullness and in the freedom of Jesus Christ? That doesn't mean that some of us don't struggle or have hardship. Of course we do. But in the struggle, in the striving, and in the fight, there's hope, there's healing, and there's help. Come on, there's hope, there's healing, and there's help from on high. And so, Lord, I pray for our, our family, Radiant Central Coast. I pray for the church on the Central Coast that we would be strong in the grace of God. Shut every door, Lord. I pray you would open us up to the fullness of who you are and of who we are in you. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said amen and amen.